Phoebe, go down to the post office, buy a stamp uh, for 50 cents and slap it on there and put it in there and, and send it off to, to Rome. They didn't have that. So somebody had to carry it. Now, I don't know for sure if it was Phoebe, but nonetheless, Phoebe, for whatever reason, was going to Rome and maybe accompanying the group that would take the letter. And so Paul is saying, hey, I commend unto you Phoebe. I love this idea that he's saying, hey, uh, I, I want you to take care of her. And look at what he says there in, in verse number two. He says that ye receive her. And, and, he, and he's sending Phoebe to be received of the brethren there at Rome. And uh, look at the two titles that he, uh, the two, maybe not titles, but rather labels that he attaches to Phoebe. He says in verse number two, or verse number one, I'm sorry, I commend unto you Phoebe, our sister. And, uh, and I love that. Sister is, is a saved sister in the faith. It was not Paul's physical sister, but rather his uh, sister in the faith. I remember years ago when I went to camp, and I started working at camp, and uh, when I got there, they, they required all of us. We were all uh, kids about the same age, you know, 18, 19, whatever age we were. And, and they, they said, listen, and some were 16, and they said, I don't care who they are. You always call them brother so-and-so. And so all the staff had to refer to each other, brother so-and-so. And for all the girls, we had to say sister so-and-so. Now, I grew up in church my whole life. And I'm accustomed to, my dad always told me, you call so-and-so, Mr. So-and-so, and, -so, and uh, Mrs. So-and-so, and I was very accustomed to that. And, and of course, saying brother was normal. That's what we would use as we would go places, especially in church. My dad would say, you know, you call him brother so-and-so. And, and so I was very accustomed to that. But sister, I, I hardly ever used, to be honest with you. And, uh, and it really felt weird. I went to camp and and uh, Sister uh, Tiffany, or Sister, I don't remember some of the girls' names, but uh, uh, Sister So-and-So, I always thought, man, it just sounded so Catholic to me. It just didn't, didn't even feel right. But there's nothing wrong with the term of sister, and there's nothing wrong with the term of brother. It's really kind of an, a term of endearment that the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, we're family in Jesus Christ, and that's a biblical concept. And so there's nothing wrong with that term and with that label. Matter of fact, it's a good thing uh, to be able to label each other as family and brother so-and-so and sister so-and-so and, and greeting those people. And so Paul is commending to them Phoebe, a sister who is saved and uh, part of the family of God, and he's commending them, uh, commending her to them. Not only a sister, but I love this. Watch what he says. He says unto you, Phoebe, our sister... Look at this, which is a servant of the church, which is at Sencrea. And, uh, and, and as we look at that, uh, that is probably one of the greatest labels that could be attached to her name, that of a servant. That of a sister and that of a servant. Sister because she's part of the family of God, and that of a servant because of the actions that she did in her lifetime. Listen, there's some people, uh, I've talked to people before, and, and, uh, uh, and, and some people wear labels as their, uh, boy, on their lapel. I mean, they're, I, am, I, am, uh, I am deacon so-and-so, and I am usher so-and-so, and I am so-and-so, uh, and, -so, and they, they've got those labels. And listen, there's, there's, if, if you look at them, there's nothing wrong with those. 
But the way some people wear them and the way, the way some people portray them, I mean, that's their most prominent feature that, man, I'm this and I'm that and, and look at me and you, you watch and their head is, I mean, you step away, you think, man, this guy's head's going to explode any minute. I mean, it's just so big. But nobody is running around saying, look, man, I am servant of Anchor Baptist Church. I mean, where's that label? Why, why don't people tote that around? Because it's not a, uh, a pride thing. There's nothing uh, that says, well, I'm a servant of Anchor Baptist Church. But yet that's what Paul was commending Phoebe for and commending her to the church at Rome that, hey, she was a wonderful servant to the church there in Corinth. And he's saying, hey, she will be a blessing to you. Hey, what, a, what, what if every person was a servant. Go with me, save your spot here in Romans chapter number 16. Go with me to Matthew chapter 23. Jesus dealt with this topic on more than one occasion, but we'll take this, this passage here uh, as it's very apropos for, it, for what we're talking about. But one of the, the labels that was put on Phoebe was that she was a servant. And what a great label uh, for us to have. Matthew chapter number 23 and I'm going to read for us the whole portion because it's just that good. Matthew chapter 23, verse number 1. The Bible says, Matthew 23, 1, Then spake Jesus to the multitude and to His disciples, saying, The scribes and the Pharisees sit in Moses' seat. All therefore whatsoever they bid you observe, that observe and do. But do not ye after their works, for they say and do not. He's saying, listen, the Pharisees and the, uh, the, the scribes have ascended to the place of Moses' authority and that they have taken the authority of the law of Moses, which was commonly referred to, or you go a step further and say the Word of God. They exalted themselves to be the authority and they loved it. Look at what he says about them. He says at the end of verse 3, he says, for they, for they say and do not. He's going to go on. Look at verse number 4. For they bind heavy burdens and grievous to be borne, and lay them on men's shoulders, but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do, for to be seen of men, they make broad their phylacteries, and enlarge the borders of their garments, and love the uppermost rooms at feasts, and the chief seats in the synagogues, and greetings in the markets, and to be called of men, Rabbi, Rabbi. But be not ye called Rabbi, for one is your Master, even Christ. And all ye are brethren." And call no man your father upon the earth, for one is your father which is in heaven. Neither be ye, ma be ye called masters, for one is your master, even Christ. Verse number 11, But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And, who, and whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased, and he that shall humble himself shall be exalted. And we go back to our text in Romans uh, chapter number 16 where Paul says, I commend unto you our Phoebe, our sister, which is a servant of the church. And Paul is extolling to her one of the greatest attributes that Jesus said that a person can have, and that is being a servant. What a wonderful label. 
that, that the Apostle Paul was complimenting Phoebe was with. And it was not, I, I believe it was not just a compliment. He just wasn't trying to build her up, but rather it was her life and, and her uh, duty that she would do in the church. And she was such a blessing and such a help. The Apostle Paul says uh, in the end of verse number two, he says, well, let's just read verse 2. That ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint, and that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you, for she hath been a succorer. That word succorer uh, means a helper or somebody who would come to the aid of another. Of many and of myself also. Paul is not just throwing this out there as flattery. Paul is not just trying to build up Phoebe, but rather Phoebe was genuinely a servant and a helper in the church that helped the Apostle Paul in many times, we find. And so Phoebe was commended. And, uh, and he's asking the church there in Rome, hey, accept her, receive her. Uh, but not only is, is he commending them uh, to receive her, he's also commending them to be responsible for her. Look at what he says there in verse number 2. We already read that. We'll read it again. That ye receive her in the Lord as become a saint. And the second part is that ye assist her in whatsoever business she hath need of you. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, uh, the church at Rome, hey, you take care of, of Sister Phoebe. She's coming your way and she's, and whatever she needs, maybe she needs rest when she gets there. Maybe the journey would make her sick and you would need to take care of her and, and let her rest for a little while and maybe get her some medicine. Whatever she needs, you take care of Phoebe. And so he's given them a responsibility and he's commended to them to take care of Phoebe. What an incredible uh, start to his close as he's giving them some instructions about Phoebe who would be coming by and visiting, maybe carrying the letter. And, uh, and what a blessing uh, to Phoebe and to these, these saints at, at Rome uh, that they would be commended with Phoebe to receive her and then to be responsible for her as well, take care of her while she is there. And as we look down, uh, that's the first two verses, we see her the, the, the commendation to take care of Phoebe. But I want you to notice in verses 3 down through 16, uh, there's not a commendation to, to Phoebe, but the, from 3 down through 16, there's the care that Paul has for those saints that are in Rome. Look with me there in verse number 3. Look at what he says. We'll just read a couple of these verses. He says in verse 3, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus, who have for my life laid down their own necks, unto whom not only I give thanks, but also all the churches of the Gentiles. Let's stop and just touch on those. Uh, I've got just a few that we're going to name and we're going to look at in the first set of verses here. But, uh, but Paul had been very well acquainted with several people that were there at Rome. Uh, ministry is people. Ministry is, is not this building. Um, now, we do a lot of ministry in this building. Uh, but, the, but the ministry is ministering to people. 
It's meeting people's needs. It's teaching people the Word of God. And now, we, we could do it without this building, but praise the Lord, we have a building to do it in that's air-conditioned and has a sound system and that most of the time works and, and, uh, and all of that. So praise the Lord for those things. They certainly help us uh, to be able to meet those needs and to minister to people. I remember when I was a teenager, and uh, we had a building, and uh, our, our church grew and we did not have room in our current building uh, for our church. And so uh, we had a couple buses. We'd run the bus on, on Sunday morning. And, and, uh, and, and when that bus would come back, uh, the teens would all gather in the hallway. And when the bus came for church, then the teens would go out to the bus. And we'd had uh, our teen class sitting on the bus. No joke. That's what we did. We didn't have room. Uh, but ministry is people. It's not the place. And, and, uh, and it was hot it was summer and it was cold when it got winter. We, we didn't go into winter very long before we had to uh, switch and go indoors and find another place. But, uh, but sometimes, you know, you do what you got to do to get through. But uh, the point is, hey, people are who we're ministering to. And uh, we find that he says here in, in verses 3 and 4, he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my helpers in Christ Jesus. Priscilla and Aquila, we don't know a whole lot about. We, we know a little bit more about them than some of the others. But uh, he said here that they put out, they, they laid their necks on the line. I actually love the fact that God wrote that out that way for us. They put their necks on the line for the Apostle Paul. They were willing of themselves to sacrifice, to put in the ministry, and to do whatever needed to be done uh, for, for the Lord Jesus Christ's sake. And, and, and they were workers that were there. They were helpless. They were selfless people who put themselves out there. And what a blessing to the Apostle Paul. And he cared about them. He said, hey, uh, make sure you, you, you give Priscilla and Aquila, my regards, because I remember them and I'm, I, I appreciate the, the ministry that they have. Look in verse number 5. He says, likewise, greet the church that is in their house. Then he goes on and he says, salute my well-beloved. And I'm not going to pronounce all these names correctly. I'll just disclaimer that right up front, okay? Epineatus, uh, who is the first fruits of Achaia unto Christ. Not only were the helpers of Priscilla and Aquila that Paul cared for, but also Epineatus, uh, who Paul uh, was one of the first fruits. In other words, hey, he was one of the first persons that had gotten saved there. And what stands out to me is not that he was a first fruit, but that he was faithful. Man, there's something about faithfulness. There's something to be said about people who are just faithful. And man, we have, we have a church full of faithful people, and I thank the Lord for that. Boy, we, have, we need people that are just faithful like we have. And, and there's no, you know, when they're missing, I'm, I'm, when, they're, when they turn up missing, I'm scratching my head saying, man, I'm worried about them. Are they sick? What's wrong with them? Because they're, they're always here. And, and, uh, and, and faithfulness. And the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, make sure you salute uh, Epineatus because uh, he was one of the first fruits. And I can just remember him getting saved and, and being faithful over the years of service that the Apostle Paul ha had maybe ministered and, and, uh, and, and known of him. Verse number 6, look at the verse 6. Greet Mary, who bestowed much labor on us. 
Mary was probably a sister there at the church and, and had, was very faithful in laboring. Maybe she fixed meals for them. Maybe she helped them in other ways. We don't really know what her involvement was, but she was a worker in the ministry and Paul cared for these people. And you can see how he goes through and he names them one by one. Look at verse number seven. He says, salute Andronicus and Junia my kinsmen and my fellow prisoners who are of note among the apostles who also were in Christ before me. He's saying, hey, they're my kinsmen. They're my family. There's people in my life um, that, that I could name. Uh, one is, is, I call them Uncle Don and Aunt Carla, and they're not even family to us. We served with them in Peru for many, many years. They're like family to us. And there's, there's people in my life that I look back to that, that honestly, in some regards, I'm closer to them than I am to my own family. Not that I don't love my family. It's just that we've been so knit together by serving the Lord that it's like kinsmen. They're like family to me. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, look, I care for the people that are there in Rome. And he's naming them. He's named Priscilla and Aquila, Paetinus, Mary, and Adronike, uh, and, Let me look here in, my note, in, in the, the Bible. Adronicus uh, and Junia, my kinsmen. And he says, fellow prisoners. He says, not only that, perhaps they were in prison with him. I don't know. Maybe they volunteered to go into prison and to stay with him so that they could take care of him. We don't know exactly, but Paul cared for all of these people. And he goes on and he says about these two uh, that he says, uh, who are of note among the apostles, who also were in Christ before me. He says, listen, the apostles were, were noted them. Why'd they note them? I don't think they noted them because they were well off or uh, had a lot of money. I think they probably took note of them because, boy, they just learned Scripture. Boy, they just grew and, boy, they, they absorbed the Bible and they just had a, a way about them of wanting uh, to, to know what God had said. And then uh, also Paul says, hey, they were saved before I was saved. And yet Paul ministered to them. And he's saying, hey, I care about those people. You go down, we're not going to read verses 8 through 15, uh, but, but he, gives, um, he gives 20 names in verses 8 through 15. What I'm saying is, Paul remembered the people there at Rome because he cared about them. And he loved them. And he was concerned for them. And we see that as he writes, he's saying, hey, make sure you tell him uh, the, the, hi for me. And make sure you tell him hi for me. And make sure you salute him and, and, and this person that they did this for me. And I remember the blessing that they were in my life. We see Paul's care for all of these people. Look at verse number 16. He says, he says in verse, well, you can go down through in verse 9, salute this person. Verse 10, salute that person. Verse 11, salute. Verse 12, salute. Verse 13, salute. 14, salute. 15, salute. And he's not talking about salute at standard attention and military salute. Okay, it's salutation, which would be a greeting. And, uh, and, and in some cultures, that's just really important. Uh, Peru is one of those cultures. It was just really important. Matter of fact, um, when... Uh, when you go to Peru, if you ever go to Peru or many, many Latin American countries, they're very warm and, and, and you have to go in and tell everyone hi. It's just so important. 
And if you don't, uh, they, they honestly, they think, well, he must be mad at me. He didn't tell me hi when he came in. I mean, it's just important to them. And when you leave, if you were to leave, if I leave the room tonight, I'd have to go to every person and say, well, see, I'm leaving. We'll see, I'm leaving. I'll see, I'm leaving. And, and tell everyone, bye. It's just part of their culture. And perhaps in this culture, it was important. But it shows Paul's care and compassion that he had on those people. Verse number 16. Look at this verse. It says, salute one another with a holy kiss. The churches of Christ salute you. Now, uh, we're, this is, uh, again, perhaps part of their culture. You say, a holy kiss, what on earth does that mean? And I was thinking, uh, I was going to call on some poor soul and illustrate it, but I, I, I thought, oh, I better not do that. It wouldn't bother me. I, man, I, I lived in Italy and I lived in Peru, and, and, uh, and, and in Peru, the, uh, whenever you greeted a lady, you would just kind of step forward and you'd turn your face away from hers and she would turn her and you would touch cheeks and, uh, and make a smacking sound. And that was the common, typical way of greeting. There was nothing, uh, there was nothing wrong with it. Uh, you know, you were very careful. That's why he says, a holy kiss. There was nothing there that was to be made of. Um, and, and, and so he's saying, hey, there's a kiss that is a greeting and that would be appropriate. And there's nothing wrong with that. Do that. Now in Italy, uh, all people greeted this way. Uh, you, would, you would stand there and, uh, and you would slightly you know, turn your face away. And, and that person would touch cheeks on this side. And, uh, and then they would switch sides and touch that cheek. And both times you'd smack and smack both guys and girls. That's why you greeted everybody in Italy. And I remember the missionary telling me, he said, now, I'm going to give you a pro tip right now. He said, when you go greet people, he said, let me just tell you what you do. Stand still. Let them do all the moving. He said, if you go moving and they're all moving, you might meet in the middle and it'll be very embarrassing. He said, you do not want to do that. So you just stand still. So that's all I did in Italy, man. I just stood there. And, uh, and, I, and I didn't move, man. I was scared. And, and, uh, and so I didn't move. And they would touch both cheeks and make all the smack. And that's a holy kiss. It's just a greeting. There was nothing uh, to it. There was nothing uh, sensual about it or bad about it. It was a holy greeting. And so the Apostle Paul is saying, hey, make sure you greet one another. There's something about brotherly love and being able to greet people. I, I've... Um, one of the things throughout the entire pandemic that I learned about myself is I hate not shaking hands. I just do. That's just me. That's just me personally. I, I like to be able to shake hands. And uh, man, I, 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 South America maybe warmed me up because I pull the guys in, give them a little hug, you know, and, and just uh, it's, it's a brotherly thing of saying, hey, you know what? I appreciate who you are. And, and, and it's a greeting that is there. And Paul, the Apostle Paul, is showing love and appreciation to the people that are there in Rome. And he's saying, hey, you be sure to show your care and appreciation for people. So he cares for them. He commends Phoebe to them. But I want you to notice in verse number 17, there's a caution in the amount of love and compassion that Paul has shown in these first 16 verses. He's reminded of a vitally important topic and that of division. And you can almost feel Paul's heartbreak as he contemplates the division that is possible with all that he has dealt with in the book of Romans. 
between the, the Jews and the, the Gentiles, between the different cultures trying to come together and be one in Christ and in Christianity, he's greatly concerned about the divisions that are likely possible. Look there in verse number 17. After he talks about all the care and all the greetings, he goes on in verse 17 and he cautions them. And he says, Now I beseech you, brethren, Mark them which cause divisions and offenses contrary to the doctrine which ye have learned and avoid them. The first thing that he says there in verse 17 is mark them. Hey, divisions uh, are people who would divide one another. We talked a lot about this in the book of Proverbs. One of the greatest divisive things is that of strife. What is strife? Strife is two people trying to gain the prominence over the other. In other words, this one trying to say, I'm, I'm better than you, I'm more powerful, I'm more uh, able to be able to take charge, and the other one saying, no, you're not, I'm more powerful and I'm more able, and there is strife between those two people as they are jockeying for a leadership position. And there's a division that that, that causes. Matter of fact, in Corinthians, he talked about that a little bit. He said, uh, he said people were starting to fall, follow Paul. Well, I'm of Paul. And other people were saying, well, I'm of Apollos. And, and, and the apostle Paul was saying, listen, there's no room for division in the ministry. Hey, we ought not be jockeying for an authoritative position, but rather, he says, mark them that cause division. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs 16 and verse 28, a froward man soweth strife, and a whisperer separateth chief friends. What's a froward person? A froward is someone unwilling to comply, perverse, or ungovernable. It's somebody who does not want to, uh, to follow everyone else. It's somebody that says, man, I'm going to be my own guy and I'm going to be in charge and I'm going to tell everyone else what to do. And so he says, a froward man soweth strife. He's the one that starts the strife. And then he goes on in that verse and says, a whisperer separateth chief friends. What's a whisperer? A whisperer is a slanderer or gossip. It's one that goes around whispering, talking about other people. Hey, did you hear what so-and-so did? Well, they go off and, and they'll, they'll take you off into a corner and, and they'll be talking over here and, and, and somebody will come by and it gets all quiet. They go by and all of a sudden they start talking again. It's somebody who, who wants to try and get you off to the side because they want to fill your heart and fill your mind with all kinds of things that aren't true. And let me tell you something. Sometimes they'll say, i got a prayer request to give you. There ain't no prayer request. They want to give a lowdown on everything that's going on with such and such a person. And they're, they're separating chief of friends. The Bible says in Proverbs 22.10, cast out the scorner and contention shall go out. Yea, strife and reproach shall cease. The Bible says in Proverbs 26.20, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. So where there is no talebearer, the strife ceaseth. And he's saying in, in, in Romans chapter 16 and verse number 17, he's saying, mark them which cause divisions and offenses 
contrary to the doctrines which ye have learned and avoid them. In other words, hey, there's people that are that will separate and will divide and will cause disunity in a church. And he's saying you better mark them and pay attention to who they are and not associate with those people because they'll divide you. They'll cause problems in your life. And, and what's he concerned about? He's concerned about the unity of the church. He's saying, listen, I love you. He just named some 20 people in the first 16 verses that he cares about and says, I, I, I mean, I remember when he was there. I remember when they served. I remember how they worked. I remember how he visited me in prison. I remember this and that. And I don't want those people being divided out of the church, but I want the place of unity where they're working together. So he gives them a very strong warning and says, hey, be careful. And Listen, there are those uh, that, that would seek to divide and cause division in our church. And I'm just telling you, you've got to be careful of them. People have not stopped talking. Um, and we need to just be aware. Listen, if there's people that are, are, are talking, you know what the Bible answer is? Mark them and stay away from them. That's what the Bible says. If somebody's trying to draw you away and, 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 give, and fill your ear full of stuff, hey, listen, the right thing to do is go to the person and find out, you know, you hear something, hey, is this, listen, I heard this, and I want to find out, is that true? That's the right way to handle things. And, uh, and so Paul is saying, hey, mark them and avoid them. Look at He goes on. He doesn't stop. This is not just one verse. Look at verse number 18. For they that are such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's powerful. And I didn't say it. The Apostle Paul did. He's not saying they're not saved. They may be saved. But he is saying that they're not serving the Lord. By doing what they're doing, by running around and causing division, they're not serving the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not serving God to run around and, and divide people and cause problems. Look at what he says in the next phrase. He says uh, in verse number 18, For they that are such serve not the Lord Jesus Christ, but their own belly, and by good words and fair speeches deceive the hearts of of the simple. And he goes on in verse 19, for your obedience is come abroad unto all men. I am glad therefore on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Apostle Paul is saying, he didn't say, now I want you to go out and, and fight against them. No, he said, just avoid them. Get out of it. Hey, no good comes from Christians attacking other Christians. No good whatsoever. Listen, we ought to be too busy serving the Lord, winning the lost, to worry about fighting with other people. You know it takes two people to fight. If, if one hurls stones at you and you just keep serving the Lord, it's not a fight. It's slander. It's somebody just simply attacking you. 
And it doesn't mean that you have to turn around and, and pick them up and hurl them back. You just, you just occupy yourself with serving the Lord. That is what the Apostle Paul is recommending. He's saying, hey, I would have you to be wise unto that which is good and simple concerning that which is evil. And so he's saying, hey, there's a strong caution that I want to give to you because there are people who will divide the work. Listen, our church is no exception. Every church that exists in America that's preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, there are those who want to divide and destroy that church. Why? Because Satan doesn't want that church to go forward. That's why. Because the work of God is going to be tried to be hindered by the world and by those that are lost and by Christians who are, uh, for whatever reason, not on board with what the Lord is doing. And I'm just telling you that we need to mark them and avoid them and say, hey, you know what? I don't know about them. I'm not interested in what they're doing. I'm more interested in serving the Lord and being wise unto good simple unto evil. I don't know. I don't know much about that, but I can tell you what, we're going to have a prayer meeting. I can tell you what, we're going to have outreach. I tell you what, we're going to have VBS. I don't know much about all that, but I tell you what, our van is running, and we're praying for this, and we're praying for our missionaries, and we're trying to serve the Lord, and, and, and let all that other stuff go, and, and, and try and serve the Lord, avoid them, mark them, and he says in verse 19 and 20, he says, you are an example. The people there in Rome were an example to so many other people. He says, for your obedience is come abroad unto all men, and I'm glad, therefore, on your behalf, but yet I would have you wise unto that which is good and simple concerning evil. Verse 20, And the God of peace shall bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. He's saying, listen, just keep serving the Lord. and Be patient. Hey, the Lord's going to come back and all of this will be over. And we'll be in heaven and we'll be able to say, man, it was worth every bit of it. It was worth serving the Lord. And he's saying, you just keep faithful to the Lord Jesus Christ. You be an example to everyone else. He cautions them. He commends Phoebe to them. He, he cares about them and he names all these names. He cautions them about division that could happen in the church and the attacks that may very well come by those who are uh, with fair speech and will know the right words to cause that division. He's saying, hey, stay away from that. And then in verse 21, he says, Timotheus, my work fellow, and Lucius, and Jason, and Sosipater, my kinsmen, salute you. Verses 21 all the way down through 23, I won't read the names for sake of time, but Paul, was, uh, Paul had a team of people that was working with him there, uh, and, and they were all interested, they were all knew that, hey, he was writing this letter to the church at Rome, and, and they were invested in this, and they said, hey, you know, you send that letter, make sure you tell them that I said hi. Make sure you tell them, hey, we've been praying for their ministry. We care about their work. And there's a, a teamwork within Christianity. Though they were not there and local, uh, they were saying, hey, we care about what's taking place in Rome. Can I tell you this morning that, that 
listen, we ought to care what's taking place in the churches around us, in good, good Bible-preaching churches. We ought to be concerned that they're going forward, that they're still preaching the gospel. We can pray for them, that they would continue, uh, that they would be encouraged, and it wouldn't be, it'd be good to salute them and say, hey, you know, I'm praying about you, thinking about you, and I hope things are going well for you. There was a team that worked with Paul. And they were concerned with the Christians that were in Rome. It was teamwork that, that gets a job done. Look at verse number 24. He says, The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. This is how many times has he said amen? Apostle Paul is closing and closing. He's kind of like a Baptist preacher. I'm almost done. I'm almost done. Point number three. Point number six. I'm almost done. Point number nine. Saying, oh, we're almost done. But he's saying, hey, God be with you. Hey, we're on the Lord's team. That's who we're, all, we're serving. That's who we're uh, trying to serve. And the grace of Christ help you and the power and strength of the Lord. Listen, we, we, I've been talking about the power of God on Sunday mornings and we need the power of God to witness. We need the power of God to sing. We need the power of God to clean the church. We need the power of God to work on the van route. We need the power of God to teach in a class. We need the power of God to pass the plate and be an usher. We need the power of God to be an usher. We need the power of God to be able to go out and out and just put flyers in the door. You say, well, pastor, some of those things you can do in the flesh. Yeah, you can, but I don't want you to. We need God's power to do every, every bit of the work that is being done at our church because God's the one that's going to make things different. He's going to be the one that's going to, uh, to cause our church to prosper. We have to do it in the power of the Lord. And then lastly, look with me in verse 24. He's got another amen there for us. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Now to him that is of the power to establish you according to my gospel and the preaching of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery which was kept secret since the world began but now is made manifest and by the scriptures of the prophets according to the commandment of the everlasting God made known to all nations for the obedience of faith. Boy, he's got a way of wording things. And he's saying, listen, uh, the, 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 the fact that salvation had been hidden really from the time of the beginning of earth and how it's been brought out in obedience to faith. In verse 27, he sums it all up and he says, To God only wise be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Amen. Listen, we team up to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our goal. That's what he says. He's saying, hey, to God be the glory for all of this. That's one of my favorite songs. I guess I have several favorite songs, but one of my songs that I like is to God be the glory. Because really, that's what all this is about. This is not about a personality or a person or one person. This, this place doesn't run by just one person. It takes a lot of people to make everything happen that takes place. I came in this morning and I, I knew Brenton was not going to be here because he had told me he was, he was going out of town, he was going to be gone today. But I came in and, 
and, and I was a little bit later than I usually am. I usually like to get here pretty early, and, and I was a little bit later, and, and I stopped, and there was no music. I thought, oh, Bretton always does that. And I didn't tell, I didn't tell Preston that, that, to do that. And so, so I ran up into the sound booth and, man, everything was off. So I'm clipping switches on and I got a line of people out the sound booth to talk to me and I'm trying to get the music on. And, and, uh, and, and I thought, man, you know, I, I miss when, when somebody's not here and not doing their job and somebody else picks up that slack and, and we certainly appreciate. But I'm, my point is this, it takes more than one person to make everything go around. Not just one person runs everything, and we do it for God's honor and for God's glory. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. All of this, all of the teamwork, all of the, the, the commendations, all of the care, all of the caution, all of the, uh, the closing statements that he gives and them saluting the other people is all done for God's honor and for God's glory. Listen, may we be encouraged by Paul's closing letter, closing chapter, really, in the book of Romans. What an incredible closing. I told you it was kind of an incredible closing. It's kind of unique. He gives them a lot of care. He commends Phoebe. He cares for them and, and names more than 20 people. And then he cautions them and is reminded of the division that can take place. And then he, and then he closes out by saying, hey, all my people here, they love you too. They're praying for you. They care about you. And listen, we're doing all of this for God's honor. And for God's glory, what a great closing that the Apostle Paul has to the book of Romans. May that speak to our hearts and may it help us have those things in our mind and in our hearts. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. Father, we thank you for... God, we thank you for...